Welcome back to Awakened Exchanges. I'm your host, Jay Rich, and we've got another special episode for you today. Would you believe it? I actually got to record this intro a whole day earlier this week. It's only Tuesday. That said, it's still not a whole lot of time to get this edited and out there, but at least I'm not sweating bullets to do it this week. This is our special Halloween episode, and I truly hope you get some fun information as well as just a little pick-me-up as we get closer to the holiday season. We do have special Thanksgiving and Christmas episodes on the way as well, but I'm going to keep them mostly secret for now. As we get a little closer to recording them, I hope to tease a little more information. I just don't want to disappoint anyone if either of them doesn't come through. Before we get into this week's interview, once again, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, but we all need to get out there and vote. We're all Americans, and we deserve to have our voices heard. If your side doesn't win, then maybe we should stop thinking of it as a competition and start thinking of it as cleaning up this cesspool of corruption. If you want America to survive, we have a lot of work to do. As of this episode going live, we'll only have five days left before the great non-decision of 2020. Still, you have to let your voice be heard. Yesterday, America just got their third Supreme Court justice that was nominated by Donald Trump. That's three people, and at least two of them could be considered the most controversial nominations in Supreme Court history. And now they're in that position for life. RBG would be rolling in her grave at the Republican Party's audacity, telling America that 10 months was not enough to approve a nomination for Obama in an election year, but five weeks was plenty of time to confirm yet another Republican nominee from the most controversial president in our nation's history. We may not even be able to fix the damage that has been done to our country over these last four years, but if we're going to give it a try, then it's vital that you speak up and let yourself be heard. I understand that half of you love what the Republicans have done, but if you ask yourself the question, is it fair, you'd be hard-pressed to give a logical reason as to why you believe it to be so. I know that we're programmed to win, and it seems like it's win at all costs, but you have to ask yourselves, why? What are we playing for? Who are you playing against? Why do we let both sides of the aisle pit us against one another instead of doing what's best for all of us? And do you really think that no one born after 1962 has good ideas? The average age of the members of the House of Congress is 57.8 at the start of this session. The senators were even older at 61.8 years old. Donald Trump was already the oldest inaugurated president when he was 70, and now we're going to get him at 74 or Biden at 78? What happened to JFK leading us towards a bold new future when he was 43 years old? JFK was 25 when Biden was born, and frankly, I'd rather have him now at 103 years old than either one of these true dinosaurs. Can we get back to some youth in our politics? Teddy Roosevelt was 42 when he succeeded Kinley, and he's responsible for our na national park system. At least Obama was only 47. Are we trying to go back in time? Do you honestly think America was a better place in our past? We've been slowly progressing, getting a little more equal and a little more inclusive, yet somehow people want to go back and erase the Brown versus Board of Education decision. Were things really better when we had separate drinking fountains or when our children were segregated for their education? Where is this great America that we're getting back to? Would you please point it out to me so I know what we're working towards? Right now, it just seems to me that we're trying to leap back into a time most of us wouldn't even recognize. Have I alienated enough people already? Probably. 
So I guess I should move on. Before we get into the sponsors, I wanted to thank Elwyn Herman for giving this wonderful interview. Her group, Seekers of the Stone, which meet at the Sacred Spiral Sanctuary in Ethel, Washington, include a diverse group of people, including our former guest, Sean Shumway. They're busy in preparation for the Sawain, or Samhain, or Halloween, whatever you want to call it, but their Sawain celebration, but she graciously made time for us this week. I hope that you find this conversation as fascinating as I did. Maybe in her next interview we can get more into the psychic phenomena and Edgar Casey readings. Please forgive the clocks and a couple of animal interruptions. I think they're mostly minimized. Now, here's a brief rundown of our sponsors. First and foremost, I want to thank all of you personally for your support. Just listening and sharing this podcast with your friends gives me a reason to keep striving to provide the best content that I can. If you have the means and would like to contribute personally, please don't forget about our Patreon page. There you can get access to exclusive content and deals just for our dedicated fans. As for the other sponsors, Awakened Vapes was the first of the Awakened brands and has been helping you modulate your high with CBD-only high-terpene vape products since 2019. Genesis Farms has been making the highest quality medicinal RSO among many other amazing products, starting with the medical community back before 2010. And last but not least, the Caramel Corn Company, bringing you caramel corn the way it was meant to be. And remember, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Also, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I know that every podcast says that, but that's really because it does help spread the visibility. You can also support us on Patreon or connect with us on the social media of your choice. We are at Awakened Exchanges on Facebook and Instagram and at Awaken Exchanges on Twitter. All right now, stay tuned and thank you for listening to Awakened Exchanges. Genesis Farms was founded on the belief in cannabis's ability to heal. Genesis Farms is more than a brand. They're a compassionate community of like-minded folks that generate top-quality cannabis products made with love and care. Community outreach is always on their mind, and their partnerships with Grow for Vets and Parents for Pot was just a beginning to what they hope to accomplish in the coming years. You can find their products on the best dispensary shelves across the state of Oregon. Their RSO is the most consistent quality in the state, their tinctures are second to none, and their personal massage oil will have you and your partner both coming back for more. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and ask for them in your local dispensary today. Don't forget to listen to Sean's interview right here on Awakened Exchanges soon. Our new sponsor is the Caramel Corn Company. Caramel Corn the way it was meant to be. Made from premium ingredients in small, handcrafted batches, and completely gluten-free. The flavors include original, roasted cashew, salted almond, mixed nut, white morsel macadamia, spicy sriracha, peanut butter, butterscotch, and my personal favorites, raspberry caramel apple and chocolate drizzle. I can't say enough how delicious this caramel corn is. I wouldn't buy it from any other source. You can find Caramel Corn Company products for sale at Portland Area Market of Choice locations, and when it gets stocked back up, maybe it'll be online again. 
Visit www.caramelcorncompany.com and get more information today. Remember, buying local supports small businesses and keeps your money building your community. Last but not least, Awaken Vapes has been bringing you some of the highest quality CBD vape pens since ringing in the new year of 2019. I became passionate about cannabis after a car wreck left me with major migraines and no modern medical pills helped alleviate the symptoms. After having tried cannabis a handful of times in high school and college, it was actually a doctor's recommendation that led me to give it another try. Only then did I realize that we'd all been at least a little misled about the health benefits of this amazing plant. And uh, despite an unexpected break because of the vape ban and then a global health crisis, the business is stronger than ever, and we invite you to check out our updated website today. We are still offering our three varieties with new and improved terpene formulations for enhanced flavor to go along with that custom blended terpene effect. Check back at www.awakenvapes.com and be the first online orders of our high-demand Delta 8 cartridges coming in stock here soon. Use the coupon code PODCAST20 at checkout all this month for 20% off your entire order. That's PODCAST20 for 20% off. Welcome to Awakened Exchanges, and for those in our audience who are unfamiliar with you, would you mind telling us your name and a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Well, one thing I want to say is I'm really happy to be here today. We're really happy to have you, too. Thank you so much. My name is Elwin Herman, and I am the High Priestess of Seekers of the Stones, and that is a pagan group, and I use the word pagan because it's a larger community uh, word. So... uh, I practice core magic and have done this with this particular group for 18 years, but I have been working within the spectrum for 35. Wow. So how did you first get involved with the pagan community? Well, I think it kind of got involved with me, actually. (laughs) Uh, I was born with just being able to see all these different dimensional spaces around me, and I've always been able to see ghosts and uh, entities and all of these things. Uh, you know, energy moves at, at uh, different speeds. Absolutely. And so I guess I've just wired to be able to see things that move a little faster than what most people are able to see. Interesting. That's an interesting perspective on uh, how that could come about. Because yeah. uh, we don't really know what that, ener- that residual energy is, but it's still hanging around. At least it seems to be. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, I also, as I went forward, I'm uh, an empath and uh, I, um, a uh, intuitive uh, reader and a psychic medium, which those kind of all go together, but they're different, all of the same. And so, uh, as I got older and I would talk to people and I would start telling them about themselves, they would get really freaked out. I wasn't aware that not everyone could do this or see these things yeah. until I was told that. So at that point, and because I felt so deeply of people's pains, I eventually had to learn how to really dial that down to to be able to live in the world that we live in now with so much energy, so much thought and emotion that is swirling around. 
Uh, do you uh, find that's why you prefer a little bit more out in the country? It's not as busy thoughts and everybody else around? I think I do now. When I was younger, I loved being in the middle of everything. Really? It was great. It was like all this energy was there. And it was like, because I see energy, especially with people and emotion, I see it with color and uh, almost like art pieces. Mm. So everybody has is a different masterpiece that they've created uh, themselves. And so in that way, it was really exciting. Uh, but people's pain have become more. Okay. And the color of their pain has become different. And so for me, having a bit of time to isolate allows me to really be present with people when I do have that opportunity to work with them. Oh, okay. My first thought was just the overwhelming nature of getting all of this extra information in there. Mm -hmm. uh, but you getting to see it from that perspective, that's, that's interesting. You get to see more of their whole being, I guess. Yeah, and each person carries that. And it's not just a, uh, the spectrum of their energetic being, uh, their present incarnation, but often their incarnation all the way back to their zero point. Wow. And so uh, it's it's like these, these many stories and many books that, that whisper uh, throughout the essence of the individual. So could you tell us a little bit about uh, the differences between like a medium and the other uh, psychic things yeah okay about. well uh a medium speaks to people that have died okay so you can be a psychic and be able to feel and connect with the energy of the emotions okay or the memories which look memories are emotions right of individuals but not be able to speak or contact with the dead and so that's something that i've always been able to do because for me the dead and entities were all just different uh, shadows or consistencies or depths, per se, of what existed within this realm that okay. we currently reside in. So as we're, we're nearing Halloween at this point, mm. there I know that you have a celebration coming up. Is it on this Saturday, actually, on Halloween? Yes, and I'm really excited. You know, okay. we have a double uh, full moons, which this makes the second full moon. It's called a blue moon. Absolutely. And so, a Halloween blue moon. That's a pretty Halloween blue Yes. And it looks like that it's going to be beautiful and to be able to be in the Pacific Northwest and have <laughs> it outside with the fire going underneath hopefully uh the moonlight it's going to be just so fabulous because that's all that extra energy that's going to be there so uh it's like the best of the the best because often people's lives you know if it's in the on wednesday you can't like take let's take wednesday off and make yeah. it a, a holiday i mean to me I, sh I think that's great but for most people that's not where they live in this world so to have it on a day that you, the energy is really great, and it's the beginning of it. It actually doesn't end until around the 7th okay. of November. But it's it's where, you know, you have so much of that energy there, and you can really speak to the ancestors, and and the veil is the thinnest. But we'll talk a bit a bit more about that in a few minutes. Okay. Um, so the Saturday, you've got the uh, big celebration planned, mm. but the energy, you said, goes through the 7th? Goes through the 7th. And what is that exactly? What energy? Well, there we say that the, the, the veil is the thinnest. If you can imagine a material in front of you, and, and on, the, on the, um, the 31st, or right around there, 
if you think about cheesecloth and the consistency of that, mm -hmm. you can see through, things can move through. It would take a little bit more, just like when you strain things out. Yeah. The liquid goes through really well. Um, and then on the 7th, it just gets sheerer and sheerer till the 7th. And that It all has to do with, uh, with uh, how all of the, uh, astrologically, how everything lines up. So... Uh, at that point, it's like the sheerest material. You can look right through it. And so through that whole process, though, we say the veil is thin. And so we can see it because generally it's more like a cotton material. So okay. you can't really, you know, there is a distinct difference between our world and the world of the dead. And so now it's just thinner and thinner. But one thing that's interesting is this year, Generally, it doesn't start until, like, I usually notice it more mid-October, and then it starts thickening up again through mid-November. This year, it started last month. So all the ancestors, and I'm sure a lot of people have been felt a lot more presence now. Uh, they've just come in and sat for a while. I think, you know, they're, they know that something is happening. There's a big shift that's going to be happening, and they're coming in. They're sitting down for, for the long haul. So it's going to be interesting. I was wondering about that with how much has gone on this year with 2020. Just, wow. There's no way to really describe it. But now we've got literally a once in a blue moon, Halloween, mm -hmm. and all of this other stuff. And you said it's just been getting thinner and thinner already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been really thin uh, already. We are more like at a point of uh, it's already that sheer uh see through from for the last month we've already been there so there has been no barriers really everything has been coming through going back and forth so it's very interesting but a lot of things are just hanging around uh where they normally just come and visit for a short period of time and then leave they're like taking up residence i need a bigger house <laughs> <laughs> well uh has there been anything particularly uh, intriguing that's shown up for you in this last month? Mm. Um, just a lot more um, conversations about uh, the future, things that may be happening, the shifting, the changes that I can do, really uh, a little more pressure to help people awaken, to, to make them aware of the, the consciousness that surrounds them, the energy that they hold in, to see themselves as energetic beings opposed to being this space of I'm not powerful, you know, to get themselves out of the mundane into the, the, the true vision of get out of the matrix, okay? <laughs> Let's get to this place here. And that's yeah. been a big press of, of really saying, you know, you got to hear some, you know, keep talking. People have been talking about the uh, the red pill for a while, all the people waking up, and uh, I think there's still a majority of people in this country who are stuck in the red versus blue as far as uh, political spectrums, mm -hmm. that they're, they're tied up in that uh, physical world mm -hmm. and haven't been looking at the rest of it. So it'd be interesting if we had a majority of people starting to wake up and see what kind of changes those could bring, too. Oh, I think that's that's pivotal for our future. Uh, it is a difference between having one or not. And I really think it's that that's heavy. And uh, I've been getting visions for probably 25 years now, along with a lot of other people that 
uh, follow the same path um, all over the world. And in the beginning, I didn't share a lot of this. It's like, hey, well, let's have this conversation on how the world's going to end. Or, <laughs> you know, so it's not a common conversation you have. But when I did start sharing it, other people started sharing it with me. And it's so common. And the, all of these things are the same. So it can only be a fluke if one or two people have similar dreams. But when thousands of people have similar dreams and the changes within them, then you pay attention. So one of my biggest things with uh, astrology and energy is that it's not like the astrology, if you're looking at your chart, it's going to tell you exactly what's going to happen when. It's mm. telling you what energy you have to work with, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, that's what, one of my biggest complaints. I'm like, well, I really appreciate, you know, the divine, uh, wherever you see that energy, the gods, ancestors, whoever we're having a conversation with. Thank you so much for that insight. Could we give me a little more detail? <laughs> you know, instead of saying, oh, look, the sky is falling. I don't know what day or time, but it's going to fall at some point. Thank you. That's, you know, uh, I think people need to have a bit more information. I think the biggest thing is I, I have a series called uh, uh, The Nine Steps of the Awakened, and I try to teach people with nine classes how to become to that state. Because okay. I try to think of what are the nine things that people really need to have that's crucial for them to come to the point of being awakened. And so I put together some things. Uh, each one is about two hours, and we, we go through it. But uh, there are several possibilities of what the future can look like. And there is nothing set in stone because each day, intentionally, we make the choice of what we're going to do. And if people make the intentional choice to be aware of what is going on around them, um, not just in their own personal lives, but the world at large, and see themselves not as an individual, but a collectiveness of, uh, uh, of human beings, that's important. Now, that doesn't mean you lose your individuality. You absolutely have that. But see that you're part of something more than just you. I guess that might be more important. I think... The more of us that do that, we can change it towards a more positive uh, future for ourselves. And again, you know, on a future podcast, we can get in a lot of details of what I'm kind of seeing with both of those things as well. My scientific mind always uh, liked the idea of branchial time. Mm -hmm. We're at this point right now that's the present, but everything else has possible futures where different decisions lead to mm -hmm. all those different branches of those different timelines. But everybody is making those decisions and helping edge us into different branches of time. Uh, absolutely. You know, I it's that's a, again another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's I love quantum physics. I love the idea of science, spirituality, these these points of of possibilities and what that looks like in every every person's life. And I think whenever you bring it down to a a small point, when people realize this point of time and how they can choose it they can choose their future they're no longer a victim of their present or their past they create their lives they create that no one is creating it for them they don't so have to get stuck is. in those patterns they don't they can release those patterns break free of of what was and create uh what they want and often people walk around not even knowing what patterns they have and they continually 
redo them over and over and over again. And so that's a, it's really powerful. Move away from your patterns, your programmings. Open up, awaken to the true essence of why you're here. And it's not here to repeat patterns. We are here to be an emotional beings, but through that process, we experience life on many different uh, conscious states, uh, and that allows us to move forward. But we, you and I, have that opportunity to choose what our future looks like. And each of us have that responsibility going forward. Because we're not just choosing for ourselves at this point. We're choosing for all humanity. And I, I want to really emphasize that all of you that are out there that are, are thinking, well, this is too hard to have a daily meditation or a daily practice or whatever that might be, it, the, the consequences to not being aware and aware person is grave and much more than the inconvenience of, of carving out 30 minutes for yourself every day. <laughs> um, it is the difference between a bleak, it's a, it, a bleak possibility of a history of a, of a history of repeating this, this future of obliviation. Because we will not survive if we don't change. We're at this tipping point of humanity that if we don't move forward and we stay in the constructs of the mind frame that we have, such as this, this aspect of power and control and, and all of that, uh, it will lead us down a very dark path. So and light bringers, bring it up. Shine a little <laughs> light on it. And there's so many people who resist change and mm. are stuck in those ways or think that things are inevitable. So what good can I do? Yeah. And it really is those incremental changes in your own life spread mm. out and ripple throughout the rest of the energetic field. Absolutely. Because, you know, if you throw a, pedal in a pebble in a water, it doesn't just it just doesn't fall. It makes ripples and it goes out into more. And so anything you can say uh, to someone, you know, for instance, if you go to the grocery store and you see somebody that looks sad and says, oh, I love your shirt today, you don't know that how that little bit of kindness can shift their whole uh, mental state. So kindness and words and all these things mm. have power. So utilize that because that's something you can do every day. Whether if you're talking to yourself, be positive. You know, be straight and forward with the changes that need to be made. We don't want to whitewash anything in that way to make it different and to, to hide the stains of who we are or what we have been. But those aren't really stains. They're this that beautiful aspect of, of character that we've created from the choices that we've made that now can lead us to better ones. And our words are so important. People think that, you know, little white lies or just, oh, that's not that's nothing, right? Mm. Uh, but those little things do affect everybody else. And, it does. Uh, keeping that in mind and trying to really show that with your actions, mm -hmm. um, I think would be very helpful for everybody. Yeah, I've never met anyone that appreciated um, having somebody telling them that, like, I care about you, uh, and then finding out they were just... They were just empty words. 
You know, Absolutely. It, a, a lie is a lie is a lie. Being it very great and grand or very small, that needs to just leave. I mean, there are tactful ways to say things to people and ways to be kind. You can choose your words to still be kind yes. without having to lie. Exactly. And that's like really important. Um, and uh, so I think going forward, I know that we uh, wanted this focus, even though this is great conversation. Yes, I look I forward it to it. We <laughs> And I know it's a passion that we both have, so it's great. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Samhain. Please. Which is coming up on Saturday. Um, And you want to tell them the name versus Halloween and how any of that came about? Oh, absolutely. So uh, it is, uh, this originally started in Celtic Ireland, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But it's pronounced Samhain. Um, Some people call Samhain, but uh, the correct, correct pronunciation is Samhain. And it started about 2,000 years ago. Okay. And they saw it as a vision of, um, of uh, light and dark. And so the festival of Samhain marked, of course, the end of the Celtic New Year and the beginning of a new one. And as such can be seen as equivalent of New Year's Eve. So in mm-hmm. my tradition, uh, Core Magic, we see that as that. So, uh, of course, that doesn't mean that we can't follow around with mundanes and enjoy it also <laughs> on... <laughs> on uh, the end of, uh, of uh, December, but we see it as in a more deeper spiritual aspect of what are we going to start. So we see that as the end of the year. Um, we have seen how the Celts believe that night preceded day, and so the festivities took place on the eve of Samhain most of the time. Now that was on um, October 31st. There's no doubt that, and this festival is most important of the four Celtic festivals. Samhain was a crucial time of the year, loaded with symbolic significance for the pre-Christian Irish. That's a big thing. They, and, and I'll talk a bit about that in a minute, because when I went to Ireland, very interesting correlations there. The celebrations, and I, I'm going to say... My pronunciation on some of the, the Irish or Gaelic words are probably going to just be butchered. So I apologize. We're trying. We're yeah. trying. <laughs> You're right. Is a Tichach, uh, may have had their origins in the fertility rite on the hill, but it gathered to itself a corpus of other beliefs which crystallized into a great fire festival. So their perceivable and apparent decline of the strength of the sun at this time of the year, was a source of anxiety for early man. And the lighting of winter fires here symbolized man's attempt to assist the sun on its journey across the skies. Fire was an earthly uh, counterpart to the sun and is powerful and an appropriate symbol to express man's helplessness uh, in the face of the overwhelming sense of the decay of winter excuse me, the decay of nature as winter sets in. And that's a, that's a big visualization. So the sun gets less. And so as that, you know, it gets colder, there's lots of things dying. So you have to have that bit of fire because light was really crucial during that time. You know, we didn't have electricity, just turn it on. At that time, being able to see, to function and do things, you know, that was, uh, there was a lot more predators and things in the dark. As well as just the warmth of that and trying to keep that uh, going for your families and everything, I would assume. Uh, absolutely. So, so now the sun is descended into the realm 
of the underworld. The forces of the underworld uh, were in, they were ascending upwards. The Lord of the underworld, unfettered from the control of the sun, now walked the earth. And with him traveled all of those other creatures from the abode of the dead. Ghosts and fairies and a host of other nondescript creatures went with him. The Lord of the dead and the Celtic mythology can be identified as dawn. Okay, so it's not what you thought I was going to say, right? No. (laughs) And so I kind of... Uh, now, I have to say personally, I I work with the Fae all the time, so I don't see them as dark creatures at all. I know a lot of people uh, do, and that's okay. Everybody has their opinions and how they work <laughs> with it, and that's okay. So, And I'll tell you a little bit about the background of Dawn as well. So okay. mythology tells us when the invaders of Ireland, known as the Militians, uh, landed at the Boyd, they made their way to Terra. Once there, they were advised by the Druids that they should return to their ships and sail off to the shore and uh, uh, to the length of the nine waves. When they were on the sea, a great storm arose that scattered their fleet. The commander was one of, uh, of one of the ships was Don. His ships were broken into pieces in the storm, and he himself drowned along with 24 of his comrades. He was buried on the Skillen Islands off the coast of Kerry. He was the first of the new wave of invaders to meet his death in Ireland, and as such, he became elevated to the status of the god of the dead. Hmm. The place of his burial became known as Tech Don, the House of Don, and soon became identified with the, uh, the other world. The Celts were fascinating by tracing their ancestry back as far as they could, and often they identified to be themselves as the earliest ancestors with the gods of those people. Hence, the belief arose that when they died, they went to the house of their ancestors and the god of the underworld. Very different than the Christian beliefs, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so this was not necessarily a bad place to go, you know, it's not like, you know, uh, hell and brimstone and the internal suffering. It's just a different place. So it, it's an interesting to note that the abode of Don on the Skelling Islands is just a few miles from the traditional home of Bong Ruth and the Valetian Islands. As well as being uh, geographically neighbors, both are closely associated with Samhain. And it can be said that Mong Ruth, uh, as a sun god, uh, was at the realm of the underworld in the abode of dawn. So the sun and the dark, they're just a few miles away. So that's kind of interesting how that happened. So uh, that's a little bit about him. And so whenever we, uh, the Celts kind of saw that as that aspect. So I want to talk a little bit about coming more forward with it. Okay. So... Samhain is the being the feast of the dead can now be clearly seen as incorporating the cult of dawn into its celebrations. But how did they do this? This is somewhat it remains unknown. Uh, the fires uh, were in the likelihood in all honor of the, sem- the sun god. So we have the fires for the sun god manifesting as the uh, Mong Ruth 
but uncertain others of the trappings are clearly associated with the Lord of Dead. So the idea that Samhain is a juncture between the two halves of the year, the light and the dark, you see how that kind of correlates now? Uh, Saw it acquiring the unique status of being suspended in time because there's that moment that it's just the energy pauses and holds. And it's like being suspended in this place and in this moment and in this time. And it's like you can take a breath and there's total silence around you. And the energy is just very still. And you can see everything clearly. It's really fabulous. Um, but during this night, the natural order of life was thrown into chaos. And the earthly world of the living became hopelessly entangled in the world of the dead. So everybody, you know, all of them would come up at that point. But the world of the dead was itself a complicated place. People not only uh, by the spirits of the departed, but also of the host of gods, fairies, and other creatures that we talked about before. Um, So what would happen is they would leave their house. uh, And when people, they tried never to be on the road um, after dark. But what they did is that's when they would start carving turnips or things like that. So okay. they would say, oh, look, look, here's something. Let's go get that. It's, they're like decoys, right? So the, all of these uh, pumpkins and stuff that are seen here that we utilize, interesting. they're seen as decoys. They're out there. And then they would also put masks on if they had to go out. So it, they weren't seen as themselves, but something else. So that way they would be seen as ghosts, right? So that's how we actually get the the costumes as well as the jack-o'-lantern kind of uh, uh, habits we have today. Right, right, right. So those were um, those were some of the things that were there. Now, in, and that was the outside. This is outside of the house. But inside of the house, people honored uh, their ancestors. It was really important. Uh, to honor your ancestors. So they would have ancestor altars, always make food uh, for them. Of course, ancestor altars at that time would look very different than what we have now. It may just have been some of their favorite food and some of their favorite objects that maybe were kept after somebody died. And the ones we have now are much more elaborate. You know, you've got candles, you've got pictures, you've got all sorts of things all over the place and layers of colors and and um, and poetry and so many things that you can create in the altars. So it was very different then. But so when you were inside the house, you were considered safe. And so you would celebrate with your ancestors. But outside, the outside was considered then the place of the dead. Uh, that the, the, the malevolent spirits, per se. And so that's how we've kind of carried it over here. Uh, we still celebrate it, and Halloween and now as a place where we dress up and, you know, people give out candy and all of that. Well, people would go to their homes and have, and have uh, food and have special treats at that point. So it kind of evolved in a different way. Uh, and uh, in America, and I think that's more uh, across the world, of course, there are many different traditions uh, of other countries that follow, like the Dia de Mortes. Yes, and Yes, and that's, again, celebrating the dead. And people would dress up 
to honor the dead, but it was a little different context and meaning behind it and, and their culture. And there, we used to, oh, let's see, up to the 60s or 70s, um, going to graveyards and decorating mm. and having food and taking it there. That's something we often saw in the United States as well. It's interesting. Uh, when I was growing up, my parents, I think, were the last of that generation that we used to go to the graveyards and we would wander around and look through uh, uh, the headstones and things like that and mm. pay homage to the people who came before as well. Uh, so yeah. uh, we actually uh, went back to West Virginia at one point and looking for family trees mm. and going through all that kind of ancestor stuff. And uh I've always found it weird that people get so creeped out by cemeteries because it's just been a part of my life as well. It was just like, it's it's just history. It is. It's history. And I, I love cemeteries. I mean, my family and a lot of my friends, we would just go. We go to cemeteries. I go to a new town, and I go check out the cemetery first. <laughs> okay, which one is the oldest? What am I going to find? And it was it was something I really enjoyed doing everywhere in, in, in the, the Americas here in the United States, uh, also in, in South America, uh, different places I've been. I always try to see what their interpretation of it is. Mm. And it's, it's, uh, that in itself is a, is a beautiful conversation to have. But um, and when I went to Ireland a few years ago, the, some of the graves there are so old. It was like it far exceeded anything, of course, I found here. And so I was like, well, everything now is going to is going to be pale compared to this you know, <laughs> that I saw. And um, yeah, so it was it was very interesting. And, and one of the things I had wanted to talk about is when I did go to Ireland, uh, we we liked getting in the car and just kind of driving on the back roads. Yeah, we'd have places where we would go that we wanted to see the destination points. Right. So we just go to places and just like we do here. Where are we going to end up? We don't know. So uh, we stopped at this little town off was off the beaten path, and I noticed they had a, an art show going in, in uh, one of the local churches there. Okay. Well, I think there was only one church, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so I wandered in with my husband, and uh, I noticed a couple of things. They had, um, of course, it was all stone floors, and um, they had the the... They had places where people had been buried that were still there, so it was that mm. old. On the on the, uh, they have often people that had been ministers, you know, or so forth uh, yeah. through there that that were buried in the church. So, in that way, um, not something I, you see over here very often. No, not something <laughs> you see very often at all. But when I went through, they had these. They had this whole thing about empowered women goddesses. Mm. And these big paintings all through there. And I was sitting there looking at it, and I love art. So I was looking at the emotional element of color they used and, and what it was portraying. And I'm, I'm sitting there having this conversation with a couple of these, these portraits with this other lady that was there. And I said, I just, you know, I love this. And I was so surprised because you have this powerful goddess energy within the church. Yeah. And so uh, I found out she was the actual artist. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> and that was really fun to have that. But um she she said she said actually they incorporated a lot of the old traditions in with the new ones. Like uh 
For instance, in bulk is uh, another thing that we practice, and that is um, right around February the 2nd. Okay. And so they have a, a different name for it, but they actually take the fire and they bring it into the church and light the fire there. And then this was all about candles and bringing the light in. So all these things, these traditions have been very well woven into Christianity and the church is there. And I found that really fascinating. That is um, slightly related. I just went to the uh, Genghis Khan exhibit over in at OMSI. Mm-hmm. And he was able to unite those tribes by doing the same thing and incorporating those beliefs into the structure as opposed to trying to eradicate those beliefs. Mm. And so it's interesting how much has been absorbed into Christianity and we just assume was Christian-based before. Oh, absolutely. And that's, um, I think a lot of that has to do, of course, with, uh, uh, with more with religion. So how can I incorporate something uh, of the old traditions into the new and then give it a new name? And that way they'll stop thinking of it as what it was and start thinking about what we are saying. It's another way of, another agenda. What is it that their agenda was? Obscuring that past a little bit. Exactly. And so that was certainly done also, you know, with uh, with Samhain because a couple of days later it's All Saints Day. Yes. Which is talking about the different saints and the ancestors and all of that. And a lot of it it incorporates that. But unfortunately... In the United States, look, people like candy. Okay, they like dressing up. <laughs> yes, they do. You're, you're going to have a lose lose on that part. So <laughs> uh, here, we really enjoy uh, incorporating a lot of the fun aspects of Halloween in it. But for us, we see it as very much a sacred day. It's one for us to really remember our ancestors, and for me, it's a big emphasis. The weaving of the magic, and the magic is energy. Magic and science, they all go together because we're all talking about energy, how we create. Different languages for the same thing. Exactly. Trying to explain it in ways that uh, get across to everybody. Exactly. And I think eventually this will, will come more to the exact language of what is being done. But... Um, as we celebrate that and we honor our deads, I one of some of the traditions that I do is I have a ancestor roll call, and so I want you to imagine for a moment that it's all dark in the room, and everybody has a list of their ancestors, maybe from one of the ancestor.com list. Hmm. Now, a lot of these people you may not know, but you're going to start. Uh, calling their names and it'll just be this big process you keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it one name after another and after another and you may have 30 people all starting and doing it that same way and weaving that in and at the end the last person is done then they, they blow out their candle because there was a candle lit when you started and then as it goes back through everybody that silence starts and you get to that last person that began and then it's this moment of silence but all of those names have been called it's beautiful to 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 feel the energy of that moment and 
we do that because I have a belief of death. I believe there's three different deaths. I'd like to hear more. Yeah, the first is when you realize that things die. And that could be because maybe your grandparents died or your beloved animal, whatever that might be. The second death is when you die. Your body is no longer here. But the third and the final death is when you are not remembered. Then you cease to exist forever. So as long as you have people call your name and remember and tell stories of who you were, Good and bad. Let's not make it all good because <laughs> we learn best from the mistakes that others have made, and especially ourselves. At least we hope we learn from them. <laughs> <laughs> we hope, yes, absolutely. We hope we learn from them. So we call these names out so people will never be forgotten. And it's important, I think, to do that because all of us are a creation of thousands of loves, and you are the ultimate product of that. So even though you might not know of all those people before you, they're with you. They're part of you. And you are giving a few moments to honor them. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful ritual. Sounds like it. Yes. And um, so my Samhain is very much focused on that. Um, we always do intuitive work. And... We have various readers that do that. Uh, often I'll have conversations with Hecate, uh, which is a goddess, uh, because I channel her really well. <laughs> and she often comes in and talks. This year I'm just doing, because I felt so strongly with the spirit presence being here and being here like they are this year, I'm just going to do a psychic medium sort of talking to your ancestors, conversations wow. with your ancestors at the end. And uh, another aspect we do is we toast our ancestors. Now, it's not all of them, but for instance, we can do three rounds. Sometimes it's less. The more people you have, the less rounds you have, you know. But we try to limit to two, three minutes. And uh, so you will toast perhaps somebody you, that died recently or somebody you really cared about. And you have a couple of minutes to tell their story. And then at the end, everybody hells them or toasts them, takes a little drink to them. And it goes around in this, this whole circle. And it's beautiful. It's this in-depth, beautiful closeness. That often you were strangers when you came in. Yeah. But at the end, you've shared intimate details about your pain. And there's something about pain bringing people together. Being able to be vulnerable. And, Absolutely. Yeah, just feel others. Yeah, and then we, we share we share a beautiful uh, dinner together, and we always have a place set for the ancestors, a place for the dead. And then one other thing that I do is I have the roles of the deads, and I'm going to be actually answering, or excuse me, asking people for names for that. But the dead roles are people that have died this year, but I'm incorporating mm. it back to last year as well. So... Uh, we, I'll ring a bell and it'll be dark in the room except for me holding my candle and I will ring, I will ring and I will say each of those names so the newly dead are remembered again uh, in a very powerful way. It's very beautiful. It is. I, I love, this is one of my favorite holidays because it is like uh, a family reunion 
And it's about being vulnerable and about the powerful uh, state of love. And I imagine the your ability to help others during this time is actually probably greatly increased their their openness to it as well as just the fact that the veil is so thin. Hmm. Well, I I think the veil I don't the veil pretty much not non exists for me all the time. So <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> that has good and bad things there with it. I mean, honestly, it's not always the the best thing. Like whenever I go on vacation uh, to haunted places. I'm going, these are my available times for conversation. If you wake me up at nighttime, we will, this will not be good for you. So <laughs> I've had to wake up and said, I am on vacation. Leave me alone. Talk to me in the morning. So because look, people are just there. It's like not like spirits aren't there during the daytime. There's yeah. just more busyness. So I try to make myself available when it's convenient for me during those times. But set boundaries. <laughs> I, setting boundaries are super important. Or it will be overtaken. When I <laughs> years ago, before I, I learned to really dial myself in, I would have you know um, people coming all the time, and it was really scary in the beginning. You know, you'd have people that, however they died, if it was in a car accident or whatever, you know, at the all around you, and and you know they're fearful. And you're fearful, and you're trying to figure out what it is they need. And so I did it. I have a little saying that I do out of body um, therapy sessions. Mm. So they're out of body, but I'm doing therapy with them to help them kind of move on, you know, to find out, to find their own peace. That transition is really important. Being here is not where they need to be, they need to move on. So. The ones that stick around too long, is there a way to help them move forward? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I do uh, house clearings, space clearings. I deal with all sorts of uh, things that go bump in the night. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's, it's a, a nice little bump, and other times they're throwing things across the room. But, yes, I can deal with all of those things. And, and whenever you, you sometimes have to let people know what happened, or sometimes they... They've lost their jump point, and they don't know how to get out. Often mm. people don't even know they're dead. So it uh, can be just trying to help them realize that they need to take that next step in the process. Right, and once that's done and they, they have that, that idea of this has happened, then I open up um, a doorway for them to move on, and then they move on from that point. And that's really important um, to do. Have there been any, uh, is there any one in particular significant experience you remember uh, helping somebody move forward? Mm. I think uh, I had a year where, and I don't know why this happened, but I had thousands of children that were outside the gates here because wow. we have this charge that nothing can come in unless it's invited. So I had to bring them all in and open up the doorway for them to go out. And often wow. they're scared, so you have to have this conversation with them first and um, and then often bring manifest in, in some way or another the people that are waiting so they can not be scared and then we'll walk through and sometimes you just have to help them through that was there were so many and they they you know and having to hold them and 
to assure them that was that was very emotional. Were they all from around the same periods of time, or was it from just anybody they had gotten stuck? Apparently, got mm. drawn to you that year. Yeah, yeah. It was it was all different time frames. And, wow. Uh, yeah, and I I don't know why that happened that way, but it did, and that was probably uh, that's probably a more significant year. Often. Um, People don't stick around. The process is is that most of the time, I, I notice that people stick around through till their burial or whatever. Usually a week or so. Um, sometimes the process will look a little different according to what the emotional state is of the person that they've left behind. But generally, they go then and then they they process. There's a there is a, a space they have to kind of go through. It's like a walk from this uh, reality to the next one. Sometimes people get stuck in that in-between time, and sometimes they'll see it as where they expect it to be. Like, hey, you know, I want to be on a beach in, uh, in uh, Florida, and I want to have a cabana boy or whatever. That might be <laughs> bringing me drinks. Maybe that's where you go. Uh, sometimes people that are more conscious can actually see that process going through there. Um, and, but then they go to the next place, uh, which is where they need to be. And uh, it, is, uh, it is iridescent. Like ha- I don't know how many of, of your uh, listeners have seen What Dreams May Come. Oh, I love that movie. But the, the colors that were there, that's what the first place looks like. And that's where you process your lack of being human anymore. And so there's people there to greet you, help you, almost like therapy time, help you release a lot of, of, the, of, of being human in that place. And there's lots of other places. But, again, that's another, another time <laughs> we could talk about what happens after you die. Um, it's uh, interesting the parallels and the processes when you start thinking about, you know, in Christianity, purgatory mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a bad place, but it's, you know, a processing place. It's an in-between kind of place mm-hmm. or... The one that really hit me was a Buddhist uh, concept of bardo, where you're actually, you have to go in and do the work to get to those next places as well before your next incarnation in their particular belief. Right, and that's also through this process as well. It goes into different rooms at different levels. Um, Now, one of the most, I think the hardest part is when people commit suicide. Mm. Can you explain a little bit? Yeah, when people commit suicide... If you can imagine in their minds where their own personal hell, and we'll use that word. That's hell on earth to be able to commit that act, I would assume. Right, but the pain that they're in and what they imagine things are is what they create after they die. Mm. So they're basically petrified in a place of their worst making. And they stay there often, and they cannot figure, they can't get out. It's It's a level that's really dark. And now when I have to go in and pull people out of that, it's a dangerous place because the energy, there there are things guarding that space that do not want them to leave. I mean, everything survives on different type of food, and there they survive on their pain and the energy made from it. So when I have to go down there, I have to be very, very stealth (laughs) walking through and try to, to, to mask my, my light and become more invisible. Then I have to get the person out 
of um, of their their own trance. So I have to get them to focus on me, and then I have once I can get them to break out of that, I can then grab them and get them and pull them out of that space and help them then with the process of going to the first level. Interesting. Uh, made me think of uh, Dante's Inferno, mm. getting to those deeper levels where you've, you're guarded with uh, those other creatures and you're actually having to try and bring them back up. And it's very interesting. Yeah, because my experience is in there is, you know, they've, they will devour you if they can. I mean, energetically, you can just be left. It's a very dangerous place to go unless you have some experience with working in in that realm or others. So it's not for the faint-hearted for sure, but I think that uh, to be left in that realm is hard. And like my, I had a nephew that committed suicide a few Uh, years ago. Sorry to hear that. On uh, Christmas Eve. And um, his mom and I don't talk very often, but she got in contact with me and she said, you promised me if anything ever happened that you would be here. And so I went in and got him out, and uh, and I was really happy I was able to do that. And she was in grief for, as you can imagine, for a long time. I can he imagine was, it still rears its head now and again. Oh, absolutely. But you see this shawl right there? Yes. It's the only thing she's made, and she said that was my gratitude shawl for saving her son. It's beautiful. It is. It talks about the layer of light and love. And the intensity of uh, emotion of it, and so that that all eyes can be seen and created through the web of beauty. I love that. Mm. So um, you've helped many people. It sounds mm. like. Is there uh, anything that has stood out this year uh, for you? Oh, this has been a complicated year. There's so much more pain. Uh, and this is when I've been really glad I live out in the country because the pain is overwhelming. I've had to put a lot more protection up because of that. I think this year the emotions that have been really running high is fear and hate. I, and I can imagine that stoking the uh, the fires with the loneliness as well, being trapped in your own, and most people being locked in their, their houses, not having as much contact and... Mm-hmm. Uh, that fear of the unknown, what's next? Well, I think it's a fear of knowing yourselves. Mm. Right? Tell me more. So if you're if you're in a place by yourself, often you have, and you know, people can only watch so much Netflix. <laughs> uh, Eventually they get tired. Right. And they're in a place, if you're in a room by yourself and you can only see yourself, and look, most people don't want to look at their their shadow places on the inside and do that personal work. Most people don't do the work ever. They don't, but it's really necessary. Uh, But as you go forward with that, if you're caught in a place with yourself, then you have to look at that more. You have to recognize the pain you're in. And usually we live such busy lives outside of that that you have a limited amount of time that you have to be faced with it. Um, There's that quietness of, of sleep Mm-hmm. But the rest of it tends to be busy. But whenever we have been captured inside of our own homes, it there's too much quietness. 
there's too much ability to have to look inward. And that's, that's not, people are not liking what they see. And so if you don't want to do the work on yourself and look at your own um, shadows, your own pain, then it's better to look outward at others and to stroke it less. How can we get the most amount of emotions? And mm. there's been a lot of people supporting people, but how much, how, how did that look if they supported themselves? What would that look like? You know, raise ourselves up as human beings, not as labels of anything else, but nurture yourself, love yourself. Let's start there. Let's start with that own love. Let's look at all the reasons why we could and we should. But that's the hardest part. It is. <laughs> but it is the most, it is the, the best part. We're all here to do work. And it's not like, you know, um, making somebody else money. That's not the deep work while we're here. Deep work is all inside of this heart, this body. This is all the deep work. It's all the choices you've made in your life. And look, the consequences of your own actions are inside of you. So if you don't like it, stop making stupid choices. <laughs> I have a friend that I've been uh, getting on his case a little bit about, you know, he's so worried about these things that seem out of his control that he won't make the little changes that are within his control. Mm. And trying to encourage that action just make those little steps and you'll see the changes that are possible yeah and that's really important uh, because people get paralyzed by fear mm -hmm. uh, and it's easy to to be manipulated with fear because it's it's one of the the biggest shadows that people have is being fearful of a plethora of things and, you know, you just have to be touched and activated just the right way, and you'll just go off. But how about if that didn't work anymore? How about if we woke up and we didn't have that issue? And this year, I challenge people to to wake up to their own love, their own self-love, to their own power, instead of allowing someone else to push your buttons and the fear lead the way. Let love lead the way. Mm. Because that's a critical message, not only from... Uh, from me to you, but also from your ancestors to you, that you are love. That's what you were made up of. And that's what they want you to continue with, to, to hold that torch higher than they could. I have an experience that uh, I don't talk about a whole lot that uh, apparently I'm weirdly going to share right now, um, where I was in the middle of a conversation in my kitchen uh, shortly before... Uh, all hell broke loose for me, and I ended up uh, inside, uh, inside prison. And I was enveloped in just pure white light, feeling an indescribable feeling of feelings. The closest word was love, and I knew that I could stay here, and I would be happy, for lack of a better term. I would be enveloped in that love, but that my work wasn't necessarily done and I had to come back and I had to figure that out. That's been, that was actually probably the catalyst for me to dive deeper into my spirituality and figure out what all of this was. So is there something that uh, you would correlate to that on your side from mm. the pagan beliefs? Well, I think my catalyst was my oldest son. Really? You know, I, uh, I didn't have the best childhood, and um, 
even though I was very gifted in many ways, that didn't mean that I made good choices for myself. I, I absolutely lived in my fear and my pain and, and totally in, a, in chaos. So whenever I found out I was pregnant with him, I realized that I was bringing in a life that I had to be responsible for, that, that my choices were going to create his life. And if I didn't make good ones for myself, then I could create a beautiful life that I think he deserved. Mm. So he was absolutely, I felt pain for the first time. I was in such an emotional deadening of self that I couldn't feel pain anymore. And so often I'll say on his birthday, I am grateful this day to feel pain because those labor pains, those were, those were big. But I felt them, and I celebrated feeling them because it meant I was alive. And if I was alive, I could love, and I could change, and I could be more. And I could not be a victim of the circumstances, but I could choose to create my circumstances. And so I went forward to making all the changes that were necessary and to know that beyond the fact of knowing that I was here to do something, but I had to now put that into play. I couldn't hide behind everything else. So my oldest son absolutely was my catalyst to make sure his life was what it needed to be. It was all out of love. It was this blooming, the seed of love that was put in my heart from my ancestors for the divine that was not watered and not nurtured until I gave birth to him. And it bloomed. So as we're getting closer to Halloween and or Samhain, and we're getting ready to uh, build those altars and things for our families, is there something that you uh, would like to pass on, something that you could share with us on how to do that more efficiently? You said mm. food, favorite items, things like that. Mm. Is there things that go into it? Oh, absolutely. Now, this is my tradition, and I'll speak from that. People have different ones, I'm sure. But um, all when my boys were little and up to now, uh, we would choose different uh, people that we wanted to highlight. I'd have a name of list of people I wanted to talk about, do research on them so I could tell their stories. And uh, we would build our altar together as a family. And so from the choices of the colors, which usually was like black and red. Um, Any significance in the color choices for you? For me, the black is, is, is the, the, the point of darkness, uh, of loss, of, but not loss celebrated in sadness, but just still loss. And the red was always a signifier of blood, blood of my blood, bone of my bone, my ancestors, mm. that layer, and also of that love. And so those are why we usually choose that. But people could also, we've chosen white as well to go over it. Um, and sometimes that would be like a lace that would go over okay. the black. So it's the layering, the light and dark aspects like of it. Um, and then we would choose, like, off. I have crystal balls that I put on it. I have different stones that I add in. But these are, and I choose those because they're, they're points of power within it, charging that emotional intention of that space. Uh, I usually choose 
a few ancestor pictures, people I personally know, like I have my grandmother and my uncle, I have some friends that have died, a few things like that. I also have a separate one because I get most of my animals uh, cremated. I have mm. an altar for the pets that are lost, and so it's the the altar of lost pets <laughs> to honor those. And They're our still pictures. family for sure. They are, and we would always put candles on it. I have tea lights, so every night when we would tell the story, uh, we would first light a tea light, uh, and then the story would start in the pictures and the sharing. But it was a way of teaching the children about their ancestors, and sometimes it will go back, oh, well, you do this, so you kind of see where you... You might have gotten some of it from. Um, we have food. I usually use red roses myself, and I keep them there, and I usually keep them on for a couple of weeks. We'll start uh, ahead with the roses. And then if the roses die, we just make them petals, and they then um, they absorb all of that energy, and then they dry, and then I use them in sacred work. Uh, later that work with the ancestors so all of their energy and power is also within that um, I utilize items such as one of my ancestors um, fought uh, for Scotland and they have these these little hats that they used to wear and I, so I have that out that's an item um, it could be rings anything uh, so I put things like that out and we talk about the different items each item you put there should have a significance to you it can be a small altar it can be a big altar but it's, it has to be intentional it has to matter because that's what you're building you're not building a hollywood style uh, altar but it can be quite beautiful i put candle operas on mine and, and use different colors of of candles and they burn over that each night and it's really beautiful and each tea light again has a significance and i try to find Black tea lights uh, when I light them. It's hard to find except this time of year. So I like stock up. <laughs> so I have some for uh, other times. And and so I I speak to them and, and I spend time with them. Just their presence. For that night, whoever we're remembering is with us. So when it comes to personal altars, intentionality is definitely a key component then. Absolutely, absolutely. I think with everything that you do, being intentional with it is is absolutely necessary. So build it from your heart. Build it with things that matter. If you have one ancestor you want to alter, I mean, you want to honor, that's fine. Build an altar just for them. Uh, and it doesn't have to be those colors. It can be, like, strictly for them. Like, maybe they like tie-dye. Well, <laughs> put that tie-dye down, you know. It doesn't have to be. It's not about what other people perceive the color should be, you're building it to honor those people. It's and about so their that's importance. what's important. Yes, it's about their importance. And so that's, that's, that's what the focus should be on. You'd mentioned uh, stones, crystals. Are there any in particular that uh, have meaning for you or that would have meaning energetically for people to put on an altar like that? Mm. Those were open questions because I'm a stone <laughs> healer and I, I use stones to heal people, but I heal stones too. So that's a whole different thing. So uh, generally I use uh, quartz crystals because they're clear as far as the moving, the, the energy moving through, and they amplify. So that's okay. primarily why I utilize those. 
Sometimes I'll use a grounding like a tourmaline and uh, something that's got the softer energy to help it ground it in, in, spa in, that, in that place. Uh, sometimes it's important to, according to who you're honoring, if you know them or, you know, that's important that you know them and know their energy. Um, but for people that may not be as familiar with the person, then having that grounding stone in front and set that when you light the candle that, and with the intention that um, they return to where they came at the end so it helps ground that energy out after a set time. I mean, if you're not me and you can say, excuse me, it's time for you to go on home now. You know, <laughs> you don't want to have a lot of people hanging around. Um, like I know uh, for my grandfather, uh, who's an important figure in my life, um, he always had a black onyx ring. Mm -hmm. And I remember that very vividly. And that's something where yeah, I would think about putting something like that out if I were to honor him. Mm. Would that have anything other than the personal meaning for me behind it? Would there be bringing any other energy or anything into that? Oh, well, absolutely it would. But the most important ones are your memories. Okay. Because that, it's you, you know, just by you saying that, I can see all of this emotion and all of these, these times throughout your life and what it meant to you. That's the story to tell. So that energy actually would override the natural energy because of the intentions and everything else behind it? Well, or I think it would just dance with it. Complement it. <laughs> exactly, complement it. So, yeah, and onyx is, is a really soft, natural grounding energy. Mm. And evidently, you know, he was probably very grounded, uh, down-to-earth sort of individual. Very or much. had his maybe had his times when he was up, but maybe that... That onyx kept him, like, sane and down. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and you can certainly use stones in your everyday wear to help you with different issues that you're facing. And so that that certainly would mellow that out. That would be a good grounding piece that would kind of complement everything else that was happening. Well, as we're getting a little bit longer into this, um, mm -hmm. was there anything else you wanted to share about Halloween or traditions uh, that we've carried over? Well, I, one of the things I really want to talk about is what a witch is. Oh, please. <laughs> because a lot of people have this idea that we're uh, doing, you know, all these negative things. And really, a witch is a nurturer. Uh, I work with herbs. I work with people, uh, their emotions. I'm a healer. And this is what it's about. It's about being able to see the earth and the things that live uh, upon it with the same importance and being that healer and that and that a teacher that's the focus of that uh, for instance I, I'd like to to kind of draw a few parallels I think that make it should make it really clear when we're sitting around you have a, a group of men and women sitting around doing spell working right and they're going oh my goodness what are they going to do <laughs> so parallel this you have a group of men and women in a church in a circle, and they're going to be praying for someone's health or, you know, they're having challenges, guess what? We're doing the same thing, different labels, but you're, you're working for someone's health. You're working for someone's betterment. And it's that, that energy, that focus of intentional energy sent up to the divine. That is what it is. So the labels are different, but we're doing a lot of the same work. We're just very much connected to the earth and to the things and the energy around us. And we see the parallels uh, 
of that, I think, more clearer. So for me, I've always uh, associated the prayer, that word, with also meditation being just different sides of the same coin, mm-hmm. uh, different ways of working with that energy. Uh, so it's interesting now to also put the uh, spell work into that same frame of thought. Mm, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, all of these, they, they go together. And I think that's that's really important to to realize and to understand that sometimes if you really ask and you find out what is happening, you'll get more of a clarity and maybe it won't scare you so much. Remember, mm. we're only scared of the unknown. You should never be scared of having questions. And yes, there are people that do naughty things, but let's say <laughs> they do naughty things regardless of what path they walk, being Christian, being Buddhist, being whatever they they follow. There are Absolutely. people that do that, and it's not their path that they follow that caused that. It's the darkness within their own selves that will not allow the light in to show that love that's there. And so that's the problem. It's not what they're practicing. When, and that's uh, when it comes to like racism and things like that. I've always mm-hmm. associated that same thing with that fear of the unknown. You you don't know somebody. You've never had this in, these interactions with them. So you you put them in this category of fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so shedding light onto things like that is the only way to get rid of those fears and that uh, limiting belief structure. Oh yeah, and I think uh, I think if anything, uh, pagans tend to to look at people not so much as colors. Uh, they just see them as energy, as human beings. That's and how I was taught as well. Yeah. Everybody's human. Everybody's human. Yeah. There are assholes in every size, shape, and color, but there's also great people on every size, shape, and color. Right. I always say I I uh, I don't care what color you are. I care what your co- your character is about. Ah. Like, that's what matters. Character matters, and I don't care about the rest of it. I love it. You know, I don't care who you sleep with. I don't care any of that. That's your life. That's your choices. But, you know, your character matters to me. So, and I think that should be the same uh, for so many people and, and to not limit themselves to their own fears, but try to rise above it. Well, um, I know you've got this big event planned for Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is coming up? Uh, what are the next... Um, events you're working on mm, yule yule ah. is always fun it's kind of like the equivalent of uh it's we have it on uh winter solstice which is the shortest uh day longest night and my it's grandpa hard. was born on the 21st and oh. he always said that god blessed him with the the most hours of the day to drink <laughs> <laughs> oh that's wonderful yeah so uh that is the next one i'm working up on and i think there's a lot of great information about how that's practiced, and uh, so yeah, I, I, that's another one of my favorites. Uh, when I, when we gift, we gift uh, not in the idea of commercialism, uh, but in small tokens of gratitude. I like that. Yeah, lots of stories about uh, about sacrifice. I I really uh, focus on on uh, the the ideal of giving birth and. Uh, the things that mothers do, you know, mm. what they, they give birth to is uh, pain and, and birth sorrow and birth love. And all of this is done at the, at the end. You get this process of this new uh, light that's being born. 
But this new light is what nourishes us and keeps us, and nothing is gained without uh, something sacrificed. And that always reminds me in the uh, Christ, the Christian tr- tradition where technically celebrating the birth of Jesus, mm-hmm. but you see all of the the Virgin Mary imagery coming out, uh, you, like Michelangelo's Pieta. You see all these mm-hmm. these images of the mother and the son. It's not just that. It's about the creation as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's super important. Uh, and, of course, there's there's lots of, uh, lots of other things on that one. We talk about the... Uh, the uh, noble virtues and and how we can incorporate that in our lives and how to be better people. And so these are all gifts as well that we give to ourselves, but also others that are in our lives. Well, uh, like I said, we're getting closer to the end here, so Mm -hmm. I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but we normally have the section where I talk about exploring passions, and you've Mm -hmm. done that for pretty much the whole section here, uh, and I really appreciate it. Um, but with that being a medium, mm. uh, is there anything that you've seen that I've brought in with me today? Is there anything that you would, uh, want to share? Mm. Um, as far as what you brought, you don't, I don't see anybody with you today. Okay. And, and, uh, and the rest I think is, is a little personal of the different things that are going on in with your lives right now, <laughs> but you know, you've got a lot of transitions and change happening. Uh, and I think, I think with all of us being, having that honesty and transparency with ourselves is super important. And sometimes, uh, lifting the veil of truth is something that you're working on. Okay. And so I think that's going to be continuing into the future. Um, I see a lot of beautiful light and layers of kindness in you, and that these are things that are really important for you to go out and I think really to to teach and and to let people know. I think the truth in the matter to your illuminating um, the the uh, knowledge about things that perhaps people did not fully understand and so you are are definitely an illuminator of things in this world and you should definitely continue down that path because uh, illuminating mystery does not make it less but it makes the person live a fuller life of of deep understanding of what's behind the veil and that's something i think that's important for you to go forward but also to stand in your own power of self um and to get a really good foundation of who you are and what your goals are and how to meet those. Because often we can get excited about what we want to do without having all the steps in place. And so going out prematurely can sometimes call it, cause us uh, not to be as successful as we need to. So I think you need to really make sure all the steps you have that you're going to be taking the next part of your life are really firm and in place and and uh and to make sure to sit with the energy for a while and see with the wisdom that comes through i, I think those that. are the biggest parts yeah thank you very <laughs> much that's good advice Absolutely. i'm actually very much very much relevant as i'm working on a lot of that right now and mm-hmm. even with this podcast i that's one of my main goals is giving a voice to people and letting people be heard and hopefully spread that around 
Mm, and that's so that's so important. Yeah, and uh, it's um, you know it, the voice of 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 everyone is important, but often we only hear people that are uh, are more well known. Uh, you know, politicians or actors, actresses, or or people that are. Uh, that are more commercial, but having people in real life being heard, there's so much wisdom out there. So Everybody just, has a story. Everybody absolutely. has a voice and a history. Mm. And yes, I believe that too. Yeah, I, I'm a big one on stories. I have such a passion for them. So I'm right there with you. I really appreciate <laughs> you sharing yours with us today too, or at least part of it. I want yes. to come back for more. Absolutely. Well, we're at the moment of vulnerability part of uh, our podcast. And mm. My first question in there is normally, what motivates you in life? Oh, what motivates me? I want to be a catalyst for change for others in their lives. Ah. It is absolutely that. Um, it's what I'm here to do. I'm here to teach people about unconditional love and to awaken them. I want them to see who they are and to remember why they're here. That's it. I love it. Is there anything that scares you? Hmm. Let's see. I would say what would scare me would be if people did not awaken and they moved towards annihilation. Because being forgotten as a species is uh, the ultimate act of death. I don't think that I've seen that hold you back at this point. Is there, what keeps you moving past that fear and trying to help people? What, uh, what brings you to that point? Well, it, it, it does not hold me back. None of that holds me back because that is what I'm, I'm hoping that people move towards a different direction. Um, yeah, so uh the only thing that really holds me back some now is my mobility issues that's difficult um but life has changed so i just um know what my limits are and keep moving forward i think that the the fact that we are so connected now with the web and everything else definitely helps be able to get the word out even through those things mm, mm, mm. do you find that you use uh use that to connect I'm trying to do that more for sure. Really? Uh, I am. I uh, have a website, and uh, I'm trying to get my school online. And by getting my school online, I'm hoping to reach more people. And uh, there's a lot more to it. I'm not as technically minded as I'd like to be. I wish I had all the answers for that to make that work for me, and uh, unfortunately I don't. Uh, and I don't have an endless uh, pocketbook <laughs> of, you know, several, several thousand dollars to have people build it. So I'm muddling through the best that I can. But I have, I'm gifted in having a lot of people that are, uh, are very good at what they do. So, Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, if there's anything I can do to help, please let me or Sean know. I would like to help out. Oh, I, I will never say no to that. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a... Uh a game-changing moment in your life. You shared you know, the birth of your son. Uh, is there anything else that uh, really propelled you in a different direction? Mm. You know, I can't really think of another one other than um, 
he was that that catalyst for change. I think with my son was the the biggest one in my life, um, and I think that that's probably just being connected. I think to the divine and being honored with the point of making hard decisions. Sometimes the decisions you don't want to make, and following through with what you need to do rather than what you want to do mm. and seeing what the results are. Those always are layers of affirmation that I'm doing the right thing. Um, I think those, those are, those are certainly small catalysts in our, in my life as I go forward. Okay. And is there anyone that you consider truly influential in your life? Mm. I have been blessed with, meeting a lot of different people and having the opportunity to hear people's stories, hear their struggles. I think having that position, that honor of being and helping other people in their lives weaves a label of trust, of importance. And I weave that with all of the different mentors that I've had and friends that I have that open themselves and make themselves available to me if I have questions or thoughts. So it's the, I think the, it's, it's the importance of just seeing the possibilities and having, I guess, this whole group, the community of people that are available to you. But the greatest thing is, is whenever you're able to see the change and help someone else. That's such a, it's a catalyst, but it's also a, an honoring, you know, to see that sadness left. It's, it's, it's a, a gift that you thing. can't describe. It is. It, it, there is no description for that. And I, I sometimes I don't feel like it's me at all. I feel like the divine speaks through me. And, uh, and I'm just a, a I'm a, a, a way for ancestors and other ones to, to com- converse with the ones that are here. And um, that work is so life-changing for others. They all are mentors for me of love. Um, are you familiar with Edgar Casey at all? I am. Uh, he, in his readings, they talk about, you know, this life being so much work that we're processing through. We're having to learn all of these lessons that we incorporate through our next mm-hmm. lives. It really seems like this is helping you as well by helping others. And you can see that that beaming through you. And I, mm-hmm. I'm really happy to see that uh, you feel so fulfilled. I do. I, it makes me very happy to do that. And, you know, um, just that point of, of having lessons to learn as we move forward, uh, I wanted to kind of talk about, touch on a moment about your experience when you were younger and felt like you had died and then had a choice of coming back. I've often had that, that feeling of what it's like to be detached, and it's so hard to say yes to the day. Yeah. And there were times, and there have been times, not because of that suicidal thing, but... So missing that, and so being happy when this is this life is over, and I've done what I need to do just to get back to that. It's indescribable. 
that feeling, that point of grace, the the lightness, and then it's like being hooked up to this collection of billions of this pure little lights of love. And I miss it. I really miss it. But I'm honored to be here this time. It's, it's what I came to do. There are many of us that, that came, that sacrificed to come back um, and to be here to help people move and shift during this time. And I'm really honored to be able to do that. But that doesn't mean I don't miss the other. But it's, it's worth it. I, I trust that people can, can grow, up, grow in their own selves and to go and involve and shift to this next con- consciousness level. Well, I, for one, am very grateful to have you here helping out. Mm, you are so welcome. Yeah. Is there uh, any personal philosophy on life you'd like to share? That even if you are in the darkest moment in your life where there seems to be nothing around you, that you seem to be surrounded in total black, that there's always a point of light within that darkness. And then everything starts with a seed. So plant your seeds so they can bloom. But when you plant them, you have to nourish them. Because all nothing will grow in a place of darkness. It has to have light. And so feed and nourish yourself like the plant and become what you already are. Remember that you have to be the light as well. Yes, you okay. have to be. You have to be love. You have to awaken. You have to know and remember why you are here. Well, do you have any final words or shout-outs you'd like to say for anybody out here? Mm. Well, um, I am so happy to be able to be here today and to talk to all of you. And if you ever need any of my services, please look me up on Facebook at elwynherman.com. I also have Elwin Herman Medicine Woman. And I also run Sacred Spiral Sanctuary out here, and that could be something that could be interest you. And my uh, website is elwynherman.com, and I offer all my services there. And uh, I would love to meet and to talk to any of you out there and to keep spreading and weaving that love and joy. Oh, well. So I hope you all have a great Samhain, and remember your ancestors. Remember the love, because that's what matters. Thank you again so much. It's a beautiful message to share. Mm. We're so grateful to have you, and I hope to have you back again. I absolutely look forward to it, and I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your week. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I want to give a special thanks to all of our listeners. You are the reason I'm doing this. Please tell your friends about us and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and I know every podcast says that, but it's because it really does help spread the word and visibility. You can also support us on Patreon or connect with us on the social media of your choice. We are at Awakened Exchanges on Facebook and Instagram and at Awaken Exchanges on Twitter. Thanks again, and have a blessed day.